Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Hello, everyone, and welcome to church. For those of you who are visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, my name's Stephen, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm super excited that you're here. Today, we are actually wrapping up a series that we started seven weeks ago all about relationships. The series is called Bless Your Heart. Now, for those of you who aren't Southern or don't really uh, know the Southern customs, when a Southerner says, bless your heart, it sounds good, but it's actually not. In this series, we've been learning about how God created you and I to get along, but we won't get along if we live our way. We get along when we live His way, according to the Bible. So we've learned a lot in this series, things like uh, how to maintain peace as far as it depends on you. We've learned how to deal with anger, how to, how to uh, avoid the people pleaser trap, how to set boundaries with difficult people. And I'm super excited today. Today we're going to actually talk about honor and we're going to tie a big bow around this entire series, come full circle by talking about the power of honor as it relates to our relationship. You know, second to giving my life to Jesus, second to marrying my wife Kyle, I'm going to tell you the most powerful thing I learned to do as a Christian, right, that has had the biggest impact on my life is how I've learned to honor God and to honor others. Matthew chapter 22 verse 37 verse uh, 37 Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This passage is saying that when we honor God, it moves into our relationships. In this series, we've talked a lot about what it means to honor each other. But remember, all honor comes from an authentic, real relationship with God. A real relationship with Christ. And so today we're going to talk about Honor. I want to. I want to kind of frame it a little bit like the key ingredient to great relationships. Okay, it's kind of like the flour in your pancakes. Okay, without flour in your pancakes, they don't taste very good. They're not fluffy. They're not really even pancakes. It's a key ingredient because it's essential to relationships. So we're going to learn about the power of honor. The power of honor. The first thing we see is honor. If you're taking notes, write this down. Honor is the foundation of every meaningful relationship. If you don't have honor, you don't have relationship. I can illustrate this for everyone who's married in here. I have to honor my wife, Kyla. If I want to have a great relationship with her, I've got to make sure that I honor her. If we're going to have peace in our home, I've got to insist that our children honor her as well. My wife makes dinner and I know I'm going to be late. I call as early as possible. Why? I want to honor her. I I dare not show up an hour and a half late without making a phone call. Why? Well, I want to honor, but I also don't want to die. Come on, somebody. 
right? Honor is so important in relationship. For example, I can tell my wife that I love her constantly, but if I don't honor her, I am, as they say, I'm all talk and no action. Or how Texans say, I'm all hat and no cattle. I'm all shot and no powder. I'm all wax and no wick. Here's my point. When I talk about honor as a foundation, listen, honor is huge in any relationship. It doesn't matter which one it is. Honor is a key ingredient. If you want to have a great relationship, you have to learn. You don't naturally honor someone. You have to learn how to honor them. For example, take the last year we just went through in this pandemic and just take the mask issue. Can I just be honest with you? I don't like masks. Okay, I I, I think they, they, they... are effective in some environments. I'm not really a, a mask person. I don't like putting something over my face. I, don't, I definitely don't like being told what to do by other people. But can I just be honest with you? I said this at the very beginning of the pandemic. I said, you know what? What I want is really irrelevant in this situation. What did I say? I said, you know, we're all in this storm, but not all of us are in the same boat. I'm a 30-something. I'm least likely to be affected permanently with this disease. And so I had to make a decision, right, early on in my own life, but also as a leader in this church to say, you know what, we're going to put honoring God and honoring each other above all of our personal opinions and our inconvenience. Come on, we are. And so we instituted, like, you know, kind of a mandate. I said, you know, nobody has to tell you what to do. I'm a leader. Like, I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to give an account one day, right, to Him. Not to your opinions of me and not to even science or any other thing. And so I prayed and God just gave us a strategy as a church. And can I say, I'm super proud of all of you. I'm, I'm proud of how, I know there's a lot of you in here, okay? When you leave here, you hate masks. You're anti-mask, right? But when you come into this place, you love people genuinely. You put your mask on, like you're kind to other people. You realize that, that although it may not affect you, it may affect someone else. You realize that maybe somebody else has fear and anxiety, and so you're going to serve them by just going, you know what, it's not that big of a deal, and it's not that long. I don't know about you, but I am super excited as uh, mandates and different things begin to lift. We're going to begin to also lift some things, and here's what we're going to have to do. For all of you that we served when we instituted the mass mandate, as we start to kind of lift it, we're going to require you right now to show honor and love and deference to other people as we begin to kind of shift and move uh, into this new season, this no post-COVID time. Here's my point. Honor is proof that you care about summer someone. Honor shows us, right, that people are important, right? It's the foundation of our relationship with others. Did you know, I want to ask you this question, is God any different than people? If honor's the foundation of every meaningful relationship with others, wouldn't it stand to reason that it's also the foundation of our relationship with God? The truth of the matter is honor is our foundation in our relationship with God. You're not going to be able to walk with God in any kind of impactful way if you don't honor God. I want you to open your Bibles, if you have them, to a story in 1 Samuel. There's a story in 1 Samuel, and it's about two priests. One of them was Phinehas, and the other was Hophni. Their dad was Eli, the high priest. The issue, though, here is Phinehas and Hophni had no respect or honor for God whatsoever. They had no honor for him. As a matter of fact, they were using their position as priests to actually take advantage of people. You see, back in this day, God had ordered that if you're a priest, you should get a portion of the sacrifices offered by the people. And God had a very specific plan for how this would work. God had a formula that these two priests were supposed to use, okay, but Phinehas and Hophni didn't honor God's 
formula. They didn't honor God's word. Instead, they took whatever they wanted from anybody who came to the temple with an offering. And what happened over time is people started seeing this great injustice by the man of the men of God, the priests, and they started actually turning away from God. And here's another thing that they did too, and it was extra wicked. There were loads of women who volunteered at the temple, and Phineas and Hophni would actually use their position to take turns sleeping with these women right out there in the church or the temple. And their father Eli knew that they were doing this, and he would go to them many times and say, now boys, you have to stop doing this. But his sons learned from a lifetime of experience that their their, their dad Eli was all bark and no bite. Their dad would never do anything about this. And one day, God sent a messenger to their father. And here's what this messenger said about this dishonor in his family. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29 through 30 says, Why do you scorn, another word is disrespect, dishonor my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourself on the choice parts of every offspring made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that your house and your father's house would be minister, would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, look at this, it's important. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. Now, if you look at this passage in 1 Samuel, it seems like it's it's, it, it's justice, right? I mean, these young men were supposed to do something. Eli, their father, were their leaders of the, of the high priest, and, and he did nothing about it. God steps in and says, listen, you don't honor me, okay? You don't honor me, I'm not going to honor you. It's so important that we, get, we grasp this, because here's the issue. Honor isn't just something that we do. This is important. Honor is an issue of the heart. The reason why God took this so seriously is because it went to the very heart of these two priests, and it goes to the very heart of us as well. Look what Jesus said to the religious elite, the Pharisees of his day, who didn't honor God by serving the people. They instead put bondage on the people with all of this extra religious activity, and they, they too were taking advantage of the people. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 15, 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Again, honors connected to your heart. You have an honor problem. You actually have a heart problem. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that if honor is only talk, then it's not real honor. Honor isn't honor until it's an action. What's he saying? Until your actions, pay attention, until your actions match your words, you do not live with honor. And without honor, you'll never be close to God because your heart can never draw near to him. God wants, this is very important. We live in a very disrespectful dishonorable, right? we, like we, we triumph ourselves and our individuality over others. Like we literally dishonor people in the name of freedom sometimes. We also dishonor people when we try to control them, right? I mean, there's all, there, dishonor takes many, 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 many forms, okay? But it's all an issue of the heart and you need to understand something about God. God wants to be honored by the people who call him God respect him, those that say they worship him. God wants his people to honor him. This is so important. Why is that? Because honor reminds us that we are stewards, not owners. We are stewards and not owners. So honor is the foundation of every meaningful relationship. Honor is the foundation of our relationship with God too. It's an issue of the heart, and it reminds us 
right? That God is God. We are stewards. God introduces this idea of stewardship really throughout the Bible, okay? It's called the principle of stewardship. Look at this in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 is one place. Jesus, he says here, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. See all the I, I, me, me. This man lived for himself. Stored it all up for himself. Didn't honor God. That's the connotation here. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Look what it says in verse 21. Pay attention to this. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich or who does not honor God. This is so important that we grasp this, grasp this as Christians. You and I are stewards. We are caretakers. Did you know that my stuff really isn't my stuff? And one day I'm going to give an account before God for how I stewarded my time, my talent, and my resources. Look at all the personal pronouns talking about this man who stored up everything for himself. Now think about our own culture. How incredibly narcissistic it is. And people live for their own pleasure and their own happiness. And this idea of service, even from people who are supposed to be public servants, right? They don't really serve. They serve themselves, right? They manipulate and, and they reach for power. The Bible's saying that that's not wise. The man in the parable was not rich towards God. Why was he not rich towards God? Because he didn't honor God. That's important. Here's the next thing we see in Scripture. Honor without a test is only lip service. You say it again. Honor without a test is only lip service. It's easy to say that you honor God, but not to actually, in your actions, honor Him. You know, parents, you get this better than most. I don't know about you, but most good parents love giving good gifts to their kids. We absolutely love it. But along the way, we also want to test them and make sure that our kids don't love our gifts more than they love us. So we have tests. We test our kids. Like sharing is a test. Like do you love your brother and sister more than the stuff your parents got you? Yeah, you should. You should share with your siblings. We have test, right? Will they let us join in and play with them? Have you ever met an ungrateful kid? Right? Think about this. You're thinking, what's wrong with that kid? They were never tested, right? They were given a room, but never the responsibility to clean their room. There was no test, right? And so they're ungrateful. Did you know that like you and I, right? God is an even better parent, the perfect parent, and from the very beginning, God insisted that we have some type of action to demonstrate, right? To reveal our heart in the area of honor. We actually see it in the very first relationship and interaction that God had with human beings. Here it is with Adam. Look at Genesis 2, 17 through, or 16 through 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you were free to eat from any tree in the garden. Look at this. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Notice here, when you read this passage, this is very important. Where did God put this tree? God put it right in the center. Let me say it this way. He put it right within Adam's reach. He wanted to see if Adam would give him real honor, something more than just 
lip service. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was really a test, right? That, that Adam would honor him, love him more than this incredible garden and all of these incredible things that God gave him. Why is it that God insists a test for our honor? Well, it goes back to all about, God is all about relationship with us, right? He doesn't need us, he wants us. God doesn't want robots to serve him. God wants a relationship with people who have choices, who can demonstrate their honor for him. If there's no opportunity for you and I to show someone dishonor, how can we really show them honor? Here's what I want you to see. God will continually test you right, in the area of your money and possessions. This is one of the biggest tests of honor of all. And it is very, very important. Why? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, there's something about our resources, our possessions, our increase, right? Our money. There's something about it, if we're not careful, we'll love the gifts that God gives us, but we won't love God. There's a string that God wants to cut from our heart to our money, and it was put there by sin. He wants to cut it so that you and I can live free in all the gifts that he gives us. It is so important. What is that test? I'm glad you asked. Honoring God, don't miss this. Honoring God starts with the tithe. Honoring God starts with the tithe. Now, when I say the word tithe, we talk about it all the time in our giving spot. We're always talking about returning the tithe. For many of you in here, you're kind of thinking, Pastor, I kind of get it, but like, I don't really understand what the tithe is. By the way, the tithe is simply a principle uh, in scripture. It's called the principle of first. In other words, it's this principle that by giving God our first and our best, we trust him with the rest. It's a test of honor. It's so important. As a matter of fact, it's mentioned throughout scripture. We see it in the very first family in Genesis, and we learn more about it in Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. So I want to I teach you a little bit what I mean when I say the tithe, what is that, but also how is it an honor, how is it a test of honor? Look what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. Now, there's a lot of people who would say that the tithe is Old Testament. The main passage, by the way, it's all over the place, but this passage here in Malachi says, opens up and says, I'm the Lord, do, I do not change. Meaning it's almost like God knew we were gonna try to like skip out on this test. And so he says at the beginning, I don't change. So if anybody tells you it's no longer for today, go back to this scripture, it is. I don't change. Look what he says. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. By the way, we are all descendants, right? Through Jesus and the blood, we're now part of the family of God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's alluding to the family of God. We're the family of God. So that the family of God is not destroyed. Look what it says. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Then he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. He goes on to say, the people asked, how are we to return? Right? How do we make it right? There's something here that's not right. How do we fix it? It goes on to say, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? Look what he says. In tithes and offerings. Then in verse 9, he says, You are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. 
Now, I want to pause here for just a moment. There's a lot of people who will teach this, and they'll say that if you don't tithe, right? They'll say that if you don't tithe, God's going to curse you. That's not true scripturally. The Bible says that because of sin and death, everything in this earth is already cursed. So what this is saying is, okay, you're under a curse and you remain under it because you continue to rob me. So it's not God cursing you. God wants to redeem you from the curse and redeem your stuff from the curse. Okay, but if we rob him and don't honor him, he can't do that. So he goes in and he explains to us a little about this, this, this tithe, right? He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now the word tithe is the word 10%. It's 10%, a tenth, okay? A tenth. The tithe isn't just a tenth, it's the first 10% of all of your increase. If you get a paycheck, right, and it's $100 gross, then your tithe is $10. If your check is $3,000, okay, the first $300 belongs to God. That's the tithe. That's the whole tithe. By the way, a tithe is not 2% or 3% or 6% or even 20%. A tithe is a tenth, the first tenth. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So you bring this tenth. You don't give it, by the way. You return it. God gave you all a hundred. And he says, I want the first to prove that you honor me. I want you to honor me with the first when there's not a promise of the rest, okay, as, as, a, as a means of trusting me, okay? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Where's that? That's the local church. It's where you're fed, that there may be food in my house. What's happening right now? You're being fed. You're being encouraged, right? You're going to be in small groups. Like we're, we're, we're going out and, and, and launching into Belton and we're reaching new communities. And it, but what I'm saying is the storehouse is the family of God. It's our house. It's your local church. And then he says, test me in this. Look at this. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So here's the test. Here's the test. God's saying, test me. This is the honor test. Test me, I never fail. You're obedient with the tithe, returning it to me. See if I will not bless your life. That's what he's saying. Now, there's a lot of people that'll say when they tithe, right? God blesses them financially. By the way, he does. But did you know the tithe also blesses you in a lot of other ways? Now, this is the test, the first tenth to the storehouse. Now, I'm gonna tell you, here's what a tithe is not. A tithe is not an offering. That's above and beyond 10%. That starts at 11%. It's not paying for a meal for somebody at Chick-fil-A. It's not, listen, it's not paying for the person's coffee behind you, right? It's not leaving an extra generous tip. That's not the tithe. The tithe is the first tenth, and it goes to your local church where you're fed, where you're, you're spiritually encouraged, where you're matured in spiritual family. Now look at verse 11. Look what the promise is. So the test, we pass the test. Here's the promise. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your years will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now you might be thinking in just a minute, you might be thinking, well, pastor, I don't really have any vines, and I'm not a farmer, so I don't really have any fruit. What is this saying? Here's what he's saying. I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. What he's saying is, this is I will remove it from underneath the curse of the earth, and the curse of sin and death in the earth. Here's what that looks like practically. Here's what happens. Have you ever felt like you didn't have enough paycheck to make it to the end of the month, right? 
And it seems like at the worst possible time, your car breaks down, right? What is that? That's the devourer. Have you ever realized how it feels like you're going along and it seems like it's like everyone's always out for your stuff, for your money? I don't know about you, but every telemarketer that seems to call, they always want something. They're talking us into the next best thing. The promise here is God saying, listen to me, you pass this test, I will remove, I will remove uh, right, your resources from out from underneath the curse. I'll rebuke the devourer from taking your wealth. And so that's tithing, okay? We don't talk about it a ton. We, we kind of, we, we cover it a little bit. We're going to really focus on it because tithing is about obedience, not generosity. It's a test, a test you either pass or you fail. It's very simple, okay? And here, so I want to make this really, really clear for everyone in here. Remember, part of my job as your pastor is to like make sure you know what you need to know to win according to God's word and his ways, okay? And if you're in here, right, and you're not tithing, I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to win according to God's word and his ways. You're just not. And so here, here's what this, te- I'm going to say this to you, okay? Here's what this passage in Mal- Malachi is saying. A Christian that doesn't tithe doesn't honor God. You say it again, slower, so we get this. A Christian, all right, you say you're saved. You say you love God. Right? You come to church every single week and you're fed and you're, you're maybe even serving and doing things. Well, listen, a Christian that doesn't tithe doesn't honor God. Now, when I say that, I know as a pastor, right, there are all different kinds of people in here. There's usually three types of people in here when I say this. Leave it up. I want, to, I want, to, I want you to see it. Okay? First, there are those in here that you tithe and you know what I'm talking about. And your life is blessed God's come through. You can't even explain it on paper. But you stepped out, you obeyed God with the tithe, and he's come through for you every single time. Maybe he's never been early, but he's never been late either. You get it. You're with it. There's some of you in here, maybe you just started following God, or maybe you come from another church background, okay, and you just didn't know. Like, now that you know, okay, the tithe, so this is, this is, this is how we honor God with our resources. You just didn't know. To which I would say, okay, but now you know, and God holds you accountable to what you know, so if you're not doing it already, you need to start. Okay, but there's a third group of people in here. I want to spend just a couple minutes talking to you for just a minute as a pastor. Really, really as just an older brother in the Lord, if I can. For some of you, maybe even a younger brother in the Lord. Okay, there's a whole other group of you in here, okay, that you're simply disobedient with the tithe. That's just the reality. You're just disobedient. You've heard tithing taught. You've seen it in God's word and you've made excuses for your own disobedience, okay? And, And when I say this, a Christian that doesn't tithe, doesn't honor God, come back here, come back here to me, okay? A Christian that doesn't tithe, doesn't honor God. When I say that, something inside of you tenses up and you get really uncomfortable, okay? And you don't like it. By the way, as a pastor, I don't really like it either. I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. I love people. I want people to grow. Okay, but sometimes as a pastor, I have to be okay with the uncomfortable moment that you feel because on the other side of your obedience, right, is blessing. And I want more for you than from you. By the way, a disclaimer, the church is doing great. By the way, everything's great. Financially, relationally, our leaders. God's moving in big ways in our church. Okay, the church doesn't need you to tithe. Your life needs you to tithe. 
that your future needs you to honor God. And when you feel that tenseness inside of you, here's what I want you to do. Listen, in the scripture, that's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's what that's called. When you tense up, when you read something in God's word, when a pastor teaches you something that challenges what you're doing, and you have that moment of tenseness, that, that's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that is necessary, right, for you to know that you got to step out in faith and obey God, even when you don't feel like it. It's so important. We often think that the tithe is about God taking from us, but nothing could be further from the truth. The reality is God doesn't need your money, but he demands your honor as a Christian. He demands it. Even the tenth, this is what's crazy about God. He doesn't need it, okay? But he demands that you show it. And here's what's so crazy about God. He, he doesn't need it, but somehow it's crazy. He actually uses your obedience and your tithe to come back and to actually bless you and the people around you. It's interesting how the local church works. Jesus promised to build it, but not just any way. Jesus could have given every church a golden goose. And every time they needed resources, that golden goose, they could go to that golden goose, right, and just get one of them golden eggs and go cash it in and pay their rent, right, and pay for that outreach project and that new campus. and that new. They, 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 God could have given, it's not beyond reason, that God could have given us all in a number, uh, the, every church, all the money it would ever need to reach anyone, right? But he didn't do that. Why? Don't miss this. Because Jesus chooses to expand his church, don't miss this, to the level that his people honor him. Many of us were crying out to God, God, heal our nation. God, heal our families, our communities. God, we want revival. But can I just tell you, revival starts with honor. Why? Because Jesus chooses to expand his church to the level that you and I honor him. Here's the reality from scripture. Honor always starts with the tithe. This is what God does. He then uses that honor to bless us, benefit us, and grow us spiritually in his church, the local church. Many of us say things like, pastor, I need to pray about it. No, you need to do it. On the, myth, on, on the topic of tithing, it is crystal clear. You are either going to obey God and honor him, or you're going to disobey God and dishonor him. Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. I would challenge you, right? You can't afford not to tithe. Did you know the Bible teaches that, that if you're not faithful with little, you can never be trusted with more. See, we say, God, give me more and I'll be faithful. That's not true. Every parent in here, you know that's not true. Or else every single kid would clean their room. They would just, cut, they, they would just know to do that. Right? Now what happens is they got to be faithful with the little thing and then you trust them with the bigger thing. God's the same way. Pastor, when I have more, I'll obey God. I say, no, you won't. Why? Because your treasure is connected to your heart and you'll never honor God without cutting that string and getting your heart right with God. Luke 16.10 says that if you aren't faithful with what you have, you won't be faithful with more. The truth, church, this is important. As we wrap up our series talking all about relationships, we need to make sure that we honor the most important relationship in our life. And that's the relationship with God. How do we do that? We honor him with the tithe. The first 10% of our gross income, the moment we get it, is immediately returned to his storehouse, your local church. And it's used to bless you. So what's your next step? If you currently tithe, keep tithing. Be faithful. God will accomplish his word in you and in your spiritual family. Those of you that didn't know, now you know. You need to start tithing 
immediately. And for those of you who have remained disobedient, my challenge to you as your pastor who loves you, who wants more for you than from you, stop making excuses and honor God. Your best life is on the other side and God is faithful. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our spiritual family and our lives personally. I pray, God, that our church would never outpace each individual's ability to honor you. That, God, you would continue to bless us to the level that we can honor you. I pray, God, that we would be obedient with the tithe. I pray, God, we would be expectant and excited about what you're going to do in our life as you swing open those channels of blessing in different areas on the other side of us honoring you. I pray, Father, for anybody in here that hasn't surrendered their life to you, I pray, God, they would, they, they would surrender their life to you. Father, they would begin to honor you with it. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.